It's post time. Welcome to the ESPN 1000 Post Game Show with your hosts, ESPN 1000 fantasy expert and host Jeff Meller and two-time Super Bowl champion Chicago native Howard Griffin. The ESPN 1000 Post Game Show on Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. moments here the Bears currently trail 19 to 11 in the fourth quarter about a minute and a half to go and things are not looking good as they only have one timeout left Howard um we've been kind of avoiding doing one of these post-game shows so far this year because the Bears have through you know really no luck at no fortune of their own they've been able to find their way to victories but today it's been an abysmal performance and it looks like they're about to move to three and one on the year yeah, we talked about the, the way they won those three games, and it looked ugly, right? And, um, yep. you know, today, unfortunately, they, they weren't able to make enough plays uh, on the offensive side. And, you know, I, I got to tell you, we go back to last week, and we had J.D. on in, in our second hour, and he was very clear that, um, hey, it's not like Nick Foles is Joe Montana that's coming in and really going to save the day. And uh, I think that was evident today because he really struggled. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and this is kind of what a lot of people have seen throughout Nick Foles' career. You know, there was the the blip where he went crazy in a playoff run and was able to lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl tro- uh, championship. But the reality was that outside of that little run and then one season under uh, Chip Kelly with Philadelphia, it was it's been, you know, a lot of hit or miss with Nick Foles and they come out today and all over the place. It looked abysmal. I, I don't know who to – I guess that's where I'll start is who, who do you put most, most of the blame on today? Is it Matt Nagy's play calling? Is it Nick Foles? Is it, uh, you know, uh, what happened with the running game? I mean, boy, Cordero – we've seen a lot of Cordero Patterson yet again. Was I'm very done little... with that, Jeff. <laughs> I'm done with that. I'm, I, I don't I, – I, I cannot understand in a third-and-one situation, yes, he's talented – but why are we not giving it to the running back? That's where the ball should be. And it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I have to imagine, Howard, for you, that has to cut deep. I mean, you're, you're, you're a former, you know, you spent your college career as a tailback at, at Illinois, uh, you know, doing the dirty work, getting those tough yards. Then in the NFL, you know, being the lead blocker for one of the, uh, you know, Hall of Famer and, and for, for multiple Super Bowl t- time winning tr- uh, organization and to see Cordero Patterson who comes into this league as we all know you know he's a kick returner and you know he uh he's been you know they featured him as a wide receiver in Minnesota for they tried to do that he they did it in Oakland and then he moved to New England and he had a little bit of success and when I say little I'm talking about you know like a two-game stretch where he looked productive running the ball but outside of that he's Never been a featured back in the NFL, and he's a far cry from it. And in one of the most most critical downs, you're giving the ball to him on third and one. And he, and even when he gets the ball in those situations when they're not short yardage, it's not like he's a power back. He needs to hit the hole and go. The hole needs to be there. He's not your typical halfback. I don't get it. 
Yeah, and, and again, I don't think it's not his fault, but I'll tell you this. This is, this is a package. This is their short yardage package because now we've seen this for a couple of weeks now. And to me, if I'm Montgomery, I'm insulted. If I'm any running back now on this rock, I am insulted that you continue to do this. It's one thing if maybe I'm nicked up and I've got some issues here and there and you're trying to save me, but we're talking about getting one yard and we're talking about giving it to a very versatile player, but you have to give it to, you know, your top running back and believe that between your running back and that offensive line, which is a whole nother story. That's another reason they couldn't get the run game going, but for them to continue to turn around and hand, uh, hand the ball off to a wide receiver is, it makes no sense to me at all. Uh, it is officially final now. The Bears lose to the Indianapolis Colts at Soldier Field, 19-11, to moved to 3-1 and on the season. And uh, we're here for you, 312-332-3776. Sound off with us. Let us know who's most at fault for uh, this debacle today. It was, look, I, I mean, I, I was waiting. I, the first half was sleepy to begin with. And yeah. then, you know, it just multiple opportunities throughout the second half where the receivers are dropping balls. And I know – the defense makes plays, too. They come up with some big hits on Allen yeah. Robinson, on Anthony Miller. But, like, at a certain point, Darnell Mooney, you have to hold on to the ball and help Nick yeah. Foles out, who himself, too, was inaccurate at times. There are plenty of throws where he's thrown behind receivers that on plays that could be made. So, it all around, just, just there, there, there's not a whole lot to like from this game. And we go back to last week, right? We, we talked about the sluggish start he had. But also, I think what got hidden in that, was the plays that his wide receivers ultimately were able to make on some 50-50 balls and some balls that were, that were not thrown very well. They were able to make plays on those. And you had some defensive players that, last week that also dropped some interceptions. It kind of went through their hands. And the one that keeps sticking out to me is the one Graham was able to catch down the sideline. But they've got to get this figured out and because this is, this is problematic for them right now. Um, they couldn't get in a rhythm. They were playing against a, a much better – uh, defensive line or defense period mm-hmm. and really couldn't convert on third downs either. So, you know, they, they could never find a rhythm and could never get things going the way they needed to. And they were forced to then try to throw it around. And yeah, they had some success at the end when you're going to minute, but that's, that's because the Colts are playing off. They're going to give up plays that are inside and they're not covering this tight because they're not trying to give up the big one. But for the most part, the bears were, were really inconsistent trying to move the football. Yeah, and and that's the concerning part for Bears fans right now is Nick Foles comes out and gives you, you know, this was, I think the hope was that, look, Nick Foles could come in and provide a spark at the very least, and maybe you'd be able to, look, if you're going to lose to the Colts and they're going to, they're going to you know, put some points up on the board and make things for, you know, obviously that would have been on the defense, but if they put some points on the board and make it, you know, a situation where you can't keep up with them, maybe we, we look at this differently. But, like, the defense – the defense allows an opening drive to the Colts where, you know, a 36-yard completion um, to Zach Pascal, where Jalen Johnson gets beat. Um, you know, Kyle Fuller has a P.I. on that. And then you see a, cr- a crossing route to Mo Alley-Cox to set the tone. And mm-hmm. after, after that, we I mean, you could have just gone to sleep for the rest of yeah. the, you know, the next three quarters because there was nothing happening all over the place. And, and uh, it's very disappointing if uh, if you're a Bears fan, again, 312-332-3776. We're here for you uh, after every Bears game for two hours, taking your phone calls. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you want to see change because I, there's 
outside of Allen Robinson, statistically, there's not a whole bunch to like about this, this, this football game. At all. Not a whole lot to like. And you talk about going to going back, having to go back to the drawing board and figure it out. And just the confidence that this team had coming off of last week's win uh, and not to be able to, to, to build on that. Now, we knew the schedule was going to get much tougher. We knew this was going to be a much better team than they had played uh, in the previous three weeks. But still, not to be able to, to get in the groove. Uh, a lot of times, and, and the Bears made some some plays defensively, but mm-hmm. when they had to make those plays, that's when they had to have run blitzes to get some of those negative yards, and specifically against the run, <clears throat> they had to bring you know extra bodies down so that they had one more person than, than um, the Colts could block, and they made plays. And you talk about a guy like Phillip Rivers, you know where he's going to be in the pocket. Mm-hmm. You know he's going to take chances. He is going to throw it vertically down the field, and he did that. And that's one of the things when you when you have a veteran quarterback that's back there and understands what defenses are doing, but still for the Bears not to really be able to get him off his mark and get him uncomfortable in the pocket um, says a lot. And uh, you mentioned, yeah, the, the the Bears defense only gives up 19 points, mm-hmm. uh, holds holds the Colts to uh, plenty of field goals when they got into the red zone. But the truth is, too, there were plays to be made. The defense is not faultless in this situation. I mean, I, I – like Khalil Mack's getting paid a lot of money. And in the first quarter, when, uh, or when that ball is deflected on the Colts' second drive, yeah. uh, Barkevious Mingo uh, applies the pressure, deflects the ball on Phillip Rivers. And, I mean, Howard, I don't know if you'll ever see an easier yeah. interception <laughs> dropped by, by an all-pro caliber player. Yeah, you don't really see that. And then there was the, the tackle um, that he missed, uh, mm-hmm. had, had the player for – had the guy for uh, – a loss, and he was able to spin out of that. But, yeah, you're not going to see many plays like that. But I played for an old guy named Chuck Knox early, sure. in, my, early in my time in, in the NFL, and he would talk to us from the front of the room like guys because we weren't a very good football team. He said, guys, there are five plays in every game that if you're able to make that play, it's going to change the outcome of the game. And that's one of the things that has always stuck with me and that I've, I've always used. Because if you go back and you look, you'll be able to find those five plays mm-hmm. that are in this game that would have changed the outcome of the game had the Bears been able to make it. And when you go back and you look at it, you know, that's, that's the difficult part about it. So you have to be able to make those plays. Is it a tough play? Yep, it is. But when those opportunities come up, you've got to be able to, to, be able to seize the moment. And well, yeah, and you want to speak of another, you know, uh, very uh, integral pl- play there. And this one, look, I'm not going to deny this one was much tougher than Khalil Max, where Roquan Smith makes an excellent diving attempt to intercept the ball. And obviously his foot is uh, is actually on the boundary. So he's out of bounds and he can't complete mm-hmm. the interception. But it's, you know, that's another player who, you know, big things were expected. He was drafted as the seventh overall pick by the Bears. And you know that that was a, that could have been a beautiful splash play, yeah. and yet uh, he cannot come through. It looks good yeah. until you until you see the end results, and then ultimately you look at some of the other missed uh, opportunities for Roquan Smith, and it's just another player that leaves you wanting more yeah. from uh, from this Bears roster. And, and Jeff, let's be clear about that. When I talk about those five affordable plays, because that's what they are mm-hmm. five affordable plays that you can make. It doesn't mean that that player wasn't giving maximum effort, right? Yep. He, he could be giving maximum effort. It just didn't go the Bears' way. And, and that's what I mean. It's not – it has nothing to do with effort. 
it's just about the end result of being able to, 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 to secure the interception, to make the tackle, to come up with the grab, uh, to tip the ball if you have a chance. You know, so it, it, that's where, what I'm talking about when I talk about those five affordable plays. That's the voice of two-time Super Bowl champ, Howard Griffith, uh, Illini legend. I'm Jeff Meller. We're here for you on ESPN 1000, where your post-game show after every Bears game goes final. We're here taking your calls for two-plus hours, talking about a game that uh, was not in the Bears' ledger the way they wanted it to go. Uh, 312-332-3776. Let's head on out to Atlanta and say good evening to Jason. What's up, Jay? What's good, fellas? Quick few observations about the game. Uh, first and foremost, Leno was trash. I mean, he was getting destroyed all game. Um, but this is what happens when you go up against a, a great defense. Um, our receivers weren't getting any separation. I think I saw maybe one or two wide-open receivers that Foles actually was able to hit um, throughout the entire game. Otherwise, it was plenty of drops, no separation. They didn't stick to the run early. And the play column was just suspect all around. The defense, they ultimately only gave up 19 with a bunch of field goals. So as ugly as they may have looked at times, they held their own. Um, but you can't come against potential playoff teams and, you know, not have good play calling. And, and you can't hold up and give Nick Foles time. I mean, we know he's a statue, but you got to give the time to get some separation with the receivers, and it all starts up front. So when you play quality D, this is what happens. That's all I got. Jason, thanks for the call. And, you know, Jeff, you make some, some great observations when you talk about, particularly I'll go to the end when he's talking about the statue in Phillip Rivers and where he's standing. You, you have to ultimately – you have to be able to get someone into his face. And where the Bears have had some success was up the middle because you knew they were going to, you know, chip and double-team the guys on the edges. So it was going to be incumbent on the guys inside, the interior guys, to be able to create some pressure in the pass game. Now, they did it in the run game, but they weren't able, I don't think, to be able to do it consistently enough where Phillip Rivers didn't feel comfortable enough not stepping up in the pocket because you know where he's going to be. So that's just one of those tough things that the Bears have to continue to get better at. And, you know, Jason's right. The Bears' defense, they do only give up 19 points. So by no means were they at, you know, you wouldn't put them, you know, in the top five reasons of, you know, why the Bears lost this game. But I will say, too, you know, this is a, a unit where I think a lot is expected of them. And to this point, even though they were 3-0 and heading into this game, the defense really has not looked as impressive as I think a lot of us hoped. If this is going to be a true playoff contender that's going to make a deep run in January and February, then the defense needs to play better than it has. And again, yeah, 19 points, maybe I'm quibbling with, you know, we will, trust me, we will definitely unpackage the, uh, the, the offense throughout the show here. But the defense leaves me disappointed as well because, again, the, the, the Lions – weren't anything special and they put 23 on them and it, what should have been you know 30 if DeAndre Swift holds a touchdown the Giants were playing the Giants are bad and they were playing without their best offensive player halfway through that game and then the Falcons put it on the D pretty quickly last week as well so you know the, the defense leaves me wanting more when it's supposed to be the unit that you know again we will talk about this offense and the ineptness of it but the defense also needs to have a game where it's making those key plays, those splash plays that I talked about. You got, I, I just, I can't believe Khalil Mack doesn't hang on to that interception yep. early in the game. Like you said, it's one of those five key moments, Howard. 
Yeah, and, and it's tough. And this is, you know, I think when you go back and you look, start looking at the stats and, and, and seeing it wasn't, this wasn't an Indianapolis Colts team that came out and just blew you away. They just made the plays when, when they absolutely needed to. And for the most part, um, the Bears, from a run defensive standpoint, were able to, to pretty much contain them for most of the game. But it was giving up some of those big chunk plays when you start to get into third down situations. And I'm telling you, it wasn't when you watched Phillip Rivers, he wasn't, if it was third and short, he wasn't looking for the short pass. He was looking for the home run every time. Yeah. He, was try, he was going down the field. And when a quarterback of, of his stature, and you know, he, he's absolutely a Hall of Famer, no question about it, most probably, most likely a first ballot type guy. You can't allow them to be comfortable. And there he's seen most of the coverages that he's ever going to see. So he knows what to do. He knows how to make adjustments. And if you can't keep him rattled, if you can't turn the ball over, you can't have a, an explosive offense or special teams day, you know, it, it ends up being a long day when you're going against a competitor like that. You mentioned going up against the Hall of Famer. Uh, it, it's, well, guess what? They have another one right on tap, and it's a quick turnaround as the Bears will host the Buccaneers on Thursday night football. Tom Brady off of fresh off of a five-touchdown performance where he actually looked a little shaky in the mm-hmm. first half, throwing another pick six yet again, yep. but seemed to right the ship in the second half as the Bucs come from behind and uh, beat the Chargers today, 38-31. to 31. Plenty of time for you. I see all your calls right now, Josh, Pam, Mitchell. Plenty more on the line here. 312-332-3776. Howard Griffith, Jeff Meller. Talking Bears on the postgame show on ESPN 1000. Don't move. More of the ESPN 1000 postgame show is coming up on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. And the ESPN Chicago app. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. The ESPN 1000 postgame show is back with your hosts, ESPN 1000 fantasy expert and host Jeff Meller and two-time Super Bowl champion Chicago native Howard Griffith. Now, back to more on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Added here on ESPN 1000, breaking down a 19 to 11 loss for the Bears against the Colts today at Soldier Field. Very disappointing. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Howard Griffith. We're taking your phone calls at 312 332 3776. We'll hear from Matt Nagy next hour as he meets the media. Probably check in with Nick Foles as well. And I'm sure Jeff Dickerson will make a little bit of time for us as well. But, Howard, how about we head on out to the phone lines and see what the fans think? Absolutely. I think we need to do that because I know they got to be feeling a little upset tonight. Let's try Pam in Cal City. Hey, Pam. Good evening. Good evening, guys. Good evening. I just want to point out, I think the the defensive team, I think they did pretty good today, but they could be a little better. But, man, we've been so busy putting everything off on Mitch Trubisky. Let's look at that offensive line. They need some work, guys. I mean, come on, the running backs, they can't seem to get past one to two yards, and then the wide receivers can't seem to hold on to the ball. And, you know, Nick Foles, we got to give him a chance, and I understand that, but as a veteran, he should have been able to make some of those third-down conversions, and that wasn't happening tonight. So, yeah, I'm a little disappointed in the Bears because there's no way they should have let the coach come into their house today and do what they did. 
it it could have been it should have been more points on the board than what it is, and it's just kind of a disappointment because it almost makes you feel like you're seeing the same thing that we saw with Mitch, and that's a little disheartening tonight. Pam, thanks for the call. You talked about those third downs. They were only, I believe, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 28% on third downs. And that's just not going to cut it, um, you know, when you're having to put your team, your defense back out there on the field. But, you know, I think she's right when you talk about, you know, we've been looking at Mitch, and Mitch has been the scapegoat around here for many, many years. For So I shouldn't say many years, but a few years. Mm-hmm. And it's really, you know, it's really collectively. You know, it's it's what's happening at, on the offensive side, what's happening, the total offense, um, what's happening on the defense and in the special teams as well. There's a lot of work. And, you know, we've talked in previous weeks how it's always a lot easier to have those corrections when you have a win. This one uh, won't be easy because there are plays that were out there. There's a lack of execution. So, you know, there's going to be some times where some guys are going to have to um, – really have to understand they're going to have to start playing better You met- this team wants to turn it around. You mentioned Mitch. Let's try Mitchell in Desplaines. He got what he wanted finally when Nick Foles was under center. And Mitchell, I know this wasn't exactly what you were hoping for, but uh, do you have any optimism going forward after this performance today? Oh, absolutely. And here's the bottom line, folks. For the Colts, no matter how you cut the cake, it's still sweet because the Colts are the better team. <laughs> they were they out. They totally dominated the Bears in every way. Nick Foles is the is what I call the shining light. Now, as bad as you think he did today, I suggest you think and check your judgment. Those throws were a tight spot that we haven't seen in four years. He throws a deep ball that Trubisky couldn't do, basically in his dreams. Okay, and I'm being very nice about saying that. The bottom line is that you know you can't expect to have Nick Foles be the savior. Okay, I know that he's very serious-minded and religious every game because when you have the number one defense who dictates how you're going to play the game, listen, they got out coached. They got outplayed, and listen, Nick Foles by far should not accept the blame, folks. I'm really happy what he did, and when I like to analyze the, the way he but, throws the ball, and when you look at it, guys, honestly, it's about time we've had a quarterback that can throw a spiral in the deep ball since Eric Kramer and but, Josh McCown. Please. Mitchell, Mitchell, listen, uh, we appreciate the phone call. I, and look, the, the bar is no longer Nick Foles competing with Mitchell Trubisky. He, he has, he's now under center. He's the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. You're right. The, the Colts' defense is clearly the best one that the Bears has faced this season, and it might be you know one of the top two or three that are on the schedule all year. So there's no shame in that. The problem is 11 points you know, and just really not competitive at all throughout the game. You know, when you could, and I say 11, I mean, let's, let's be honest. It was a garbage touchdown at the end there. Otherwise, they were sitting on three points throughout the entire game. Yeah, it's listen. I think you know you can talk about the way um, he throws football and it's spirals, but he missed some deep throws too today. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it, it's it's not going to be perfect, and and I think that's what's frustrating is the first three weeks we knew it wasn't perfect, right? But it, there were wins, and now you're sitting here at, at three and one. And yeah, the Colts, the Colts were the better team, but. If Chicago executes, it's a fight. I mean, they they were able to, you know, from a defensive standpoint, hold these guys to some field goals when it looked like they were just marching down the field. But then the offense has to be able 
to make plays and execute. And, you know, Pam was on and she mentioned the offensive line. And, I mean, I don't know what's going on up there, but, you know, they got some problems up there because they can't run the football when they want to run the football. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I do remember one one throw in the first half when the, the Bears were in the red zone and uh, Nick Foles, you know, he had Damian Harris on uh, an in-cut and he just threw it behind him. You know, Damian, I'm not saying Damian Harris is, you know, perfect by any means, but, you know, those are balls that need to be delivered, uh, you know, at the right time in, in space. And you give your uh, wide receiver a chance to make make uh, run after the catch and hold on to that ball. It was nowhere near him. So, you know, there's there's plays that Nick, that Nick Foles left out on the field, and I'm sure he's going to admit that when we hear from him in the postgame. Um, and we will hear from Matt Nagy very shortly as well. He, I believe he's meeting the media as we speak. So as soon as he wraps up, we'll let you hear from you from him. But before we do that, uh, more of your phone calls back in just two short minutes. Howard Griffith and Jeff Meller. More postgame coming up. This is the ESPN 1000 postgame show on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. A two-time Super Bowl champion. A two-time winner of the ESPN 1000 Fantasy Football League. And never mind. Howard Griffith and Jeff Maller. The ESPN 1000 postgame show is back on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Cordero Patterson. Naheem Hines is deep for Indianapolis back at his own 27-yard line. Comes 25. Reverses course for not much yardage. We have a penalty marker down. After the play, unsportsmanlike conduct. Kicking team, number 84. That's a 15-yard penalty. First down. Yeah, he's... uh... He, he's bearing the brunt of some of our uh, hostility right now. That's Cordell Patterson. Howard already uh, went on a little bit of a rant to begin the show about him <laughs> being the man getting his number called on third and shorts in critical moments. Uh, those were two moments on back-to-back plays that frustrated me yet again, just showing why he's not a wide receiver when he can't come down with the ball. And then on the very next play on special teams, uh, you know, uh, just a dumb penalty, you know, when you're – I mean, I, I don't even know what to say because those are just silly mistakes that should not be happening at the NFL level that will drive you crazy, I have to imagine, as a coach. Right, Howard? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a veteran player that, you know, that knows the game. I mean, he, he's, he just didn't start playing last week. I mean, you know, he's got to be smart. He's got to be able to keep his composure um, and, and not hurt the team. And, you know, right now this is a team that's reeling a little bit, trying to find their identity and, I obviously was tough tonight is they're going to continue to to go through another week and trying to understand who they are. And it doesn't get any easier uh, next week's opponent. No, it doesn't as a, it's a, a rematch of the Super Bowl 52 quarterbacks as Nick Foles actually usurped Tom Brady in that one, took home the MVP award. He'll be on the bears sidelines this time as Tom Brady will be leading the bucks to Soldier Field on Thursday Night Football. Uh, if you'd like to weigh in and let us know who you blame the most for tonight's loss, feel free, 312-332-3776. Do so quickly because we do have Matt Nagy, Nick Foles, and Jeff Dickerson coming up later in the postgame show. So we'd like to ca- take all of your calls 
early in the show before we have to get to that stuff. Let's try Leon, who's in East Chicago. Hey, Leon, what's going on tonight? How do you guys do? Good. All right. What they got to realize is this. Those Bears defense are not going to stop everybody. I don't care how many defensive plays you send out there. Offensive. Look at them dumb penalties they make. You get paid a lot of money. You can't take your big fat fingers and wrap somebody up and tackle them. No, you got to go back there and try to knock the doggone head off. Because you Mac, Big Mac. <laughs> Play football. I mean, uh, you know, you're not going to stop everybody. Look at the dumb plays on some of them defenses, both of them. Man standing there and look at a guy throw a ball down the field. He let a receiver run right by him. Then he decided to turn around and look see where he's at. You know, you get paid too much money to do the dumb stuff they do. But that's football, gentlemen. By the way, I'm a Packer fan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Leon <laughs> slipped that in at the end, right? He he's gonna us, bash. He's gonna bash the Bears and then let us know that he's a Packer fan. He gave us the old bait and switch there. Howard. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, interesting though. He brings up uh, you know the the offensive explosion across the league. Boy, it's it's turning into a little bit of a. Uh, it's turning into the Big 12 in some ways out there on, on Sundays. <laughs> like they're not calling as many penalties as they have in the past, and uh, you know. You're seeing some big scores and big numbers being laid up on, out there. Uh, you know, obviously the Bears game wasn't 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 was one of the few that wasn't part of that. But mm-hmm. boy, we saw some big numbers in the early games, at least. And that's what's interesting. You know, the early games had the big numbers. The late games, they they were they were closer, um, and you weren't seeing them. So you know, I think it'll be interesting to you know take a look at why these teams are being able to jump out to, to fast yeah. starts, and and that's what we've been wanting to see the Bears be able to do this year because that's been one of their issues. They're not a fast starting team. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you're right though, Dad, the last three games in the in the afternoon time slots were definitely lower. Uh we had a seventeen to nine Rams win over the Giants. We obviously have the nineteen eleven Colts win over the Bears and the Bills Raiders thirty to twenty three, not so bad. But uh the early games just tons and tons of points. Just a continuation too when you have the most points scored in the history of the NFL through the first three weeks. Um, you know, the, the early games again were chock full of points. Just another reason why um, you're going to need this Bears offense to play much better if you're going to compete with other teams around the league. Yeah, you, you've got to get it going. They they have to. But you know, we talked about this, and Leon mentioned it that the defense isn't going to be able to stop people all the time. They've got to find a way to get some takeaways. You know, no, that, that's the other thing. It's got yeah. to happen. You got to be and, able to take the football away and hold on to the ball in that situation where Mac, you have the Bears set up at least in you know right around the twenty, if not you know uh, in deeper with a with a decent return. So yeah, you're right. Like the turnovers will create the offense as well. Let's go on out to Evanston and say hello to John. What's going on, John? You're on the ESPN 1000 post game show with Howard Griffith and Jeff Miller. Hey guys. Yeah. Um. I kind of say the same thing every week. The Bears, you know, Indianapolis made the Bears one-dimensional. They took away their running game. Okay, they've got to, they've got to play. They've got their, their offense has got to be on the field and be do something for four quarters, especially when you have a team like the Buccaneers coming in, you know, with Brady. They put up 38 today. If they put up any kind of numbers on Thursday, they'll beat the Bears. I mean, the Bears' defense is good enough to keep them in games, but for them to continue to do that, they have to do something offensively. And I've said since they picked up um, 
Foles, you've got basically two backup quarterbacks, and you're starting to see that. They don't do anything till the fourth quarter when the game is on the line. They've got to play that way for four quarters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John, I, I think you make a good point. Um, thanks for the call. But you talk about being able to put four quarters of football together, and we haven't seen the Bears be able to do that through the first four games. Um, and, and that's a little disconcerting, um, that, that you can't be consistent enough to, to be able to make that happen. And that's something that they've got to get to. You know, like, they've been able to finish, right? They've been able to rally from behind and be able to come up with the plays they needed at the end to make plays. But that's not the way to game. That's not how you win the game consistently. You've got to be no. able to jump on people and, and you know be able to control the game. Now, it's, it's, games are going to have as and flows. That's going to happen. But you've never felt like the Bears got in a rhythm uh, today at all. And it'll be, yeah, we'll be right back at it on Thursday night as, the, again, they'll be at home hosting the Buccaneers. Tom Brady, uh, they beat the Chargers 38-31 to 31 in comeback fashion today. It'll be interesting to see what the injury report looks like for the Bucs tomorrow because they were already without playing without Chris Godwin today, who's in concussion protocol. Uh, or I'm sorry, he, that was last week. He had the hamstring injury, so he's like, he's basically out for Thursday. We're expecting him to be out Um they lost O.J. Howard at the end of the game with an mm-hmm. Achilles injury, still waiting for an update on that. Mike Evans actually left the game with an ankle injury, but he did return to the game. But, you know, we'll see how his ankle is feeling uh, on a short work week. And they also were missing Leonard Fournette. So yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're, they're skilled. They're their host of skill players may be depleted when they actually get to town and are ready to go on Thursday night. So maybe the Bears catch a break in that situation. But again, as I said, the Buccaneers found themselves behind to the Chargers, you know, quite a bit. I want to say it was like mm-hmm. twenty-four to seven, maybe at one point. And um, you, you know, the Bucks that was that wasn't enough to slow them down. So it's th- certainly going to be another difficult task for the Bears uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, it won't be easy. Um, but Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, mm-hmm. he started out at Illinois, you know, took over for uh, Fournette, and you know, he did a really good job. Finished up at, at Vandy. But, I mean, he, he's a really good back, can catch the ball out of the backfield. And uh, Mike Evans is, is going to be an issue. I'm sure he's going to play uh, without a doubt. And, listen, Grant came up with a huge play in this <laughs> game going up for a 50-50 ball. So, you know, you still have some players that, that are on that roster that, you know, the Bears are going to have to try to contend with. And, you get, again, you're facing a quarterback that he's seen it all. And when he – Wants to take a shot downfield, he's going he's gonna to feel comfortable in doing so. And they've got to get this thing turned around quickly. They, they really do. Let's try Josh, who's in Idaho. Hey, Josh, you're on the postgame show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm not sure what's uh, more frustrating, following a Packer fan in Michelin Flames or the Bears play. <laughs> uh, listen, I I don't know. There's there is one common denominator here, right? And, and nothing. It just seems like you can't get anything going besides from maybe a, a minor spark here and there, whether it be from the defense or some sort of short rally to end a game. Luckily, um, but the product is the same. I can't count how many times we were third and short, and I thought we have Ryan Nall. There, we do have a fullback right now, Nagy. I know. I know you weren't brought here to run the I formation. But you can do it once or twice and get a first down and then throw the ball. 
And, you know, I don't know about you, but how many balls have we watched Miller drop this year? Mm. It's starting to seem like he's a little bit glorified second-round pick. I mean, I mean, Mooney showed out. I mean, Darnell looked great, but he also dropped balls. Yep. I just, I think when you, you put it all on the quarterback and or all on the defense or, or however you want to put it, the common denominator is coaching. I mean, every time I thought that they should have maybe passed it, it seems like, oh, let's just do some sort of a stutter step or and, ha- and the missed draw by Montgomery this season. I don't know, too much frustration. I mean, but the one thing I do know is Pagano was not nearly aggressive enough. And Nagy just seemed to like flip flop, like outthink it. Oh, they think we're gonna run it, so I'm gonna throw it. <laughs> well, Josh, that's one of the things that happens um, right now in in this new NFL. Um, you know, guys are using analytics. Guys are are trying to to break tendencies, and, and you get away from you know some of the basic things. And, and listen, I, I know as a former fullback, you know, I want to see them utilize more. But you watch the high powered probably uh cleveland browns team today they're not <laughs> afraid to use the fullback and they still throw it all over the place so it's a time and a place where you have to be able to line up and you have to say we're running a lead play and it's coming on the right side and what are you going to do about it but the bears aren't dominant enough up front to be able to execute that and <clears throat> so you end up trying to outthink uh, and sometimes you yeah. just outthink yourself. It's interesting. And, and um, on the, the third and one where they give to Cordell Patterson, it's just blown up and he ends up getting tackled in the backfield for a loss. It's, it's interesting because I did notice there were a few moments early in the game where David Montgomery uh, would have a carry. And he was, he'd, he'd dance a little bit in the hole and it wouldn't amount to much. Now, granted, it may not have, you know, it may not have cost you know, them a ton of yards, but at the same time, listen, Howard, you can tell our listeners, I'm sure for, you could go on for an hour about one cut runners. You, 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 yeah. you basically ran in the, you know, the yeah. best one cut run system <laughs> in the history of the league. So, you know, a thing or two about it. Is it maddening to you to see David Montgomery kind of just, you know, jump around in the hole a little bit when clearly there's an opportunity to gain that, even if it's just two or three yards, just keep the chains moving. So here's what's fascinating about that, right? You mm-hmm. start talking about getting into the psyche uh, of a running back or, or a player. He's also had to make a lot of guys miss just to get back to the line of scrimmage in, in some of the previous games. So if you're not necessarily as confident in what's going on in the scheme up front, you may have a tendency to, okay, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to avoid the first guy, make the first guy miss, even though he should be blocked. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's what's happening, but I'm saying that is part of when you have a lot of confidence in your run game. That yeah. you just, you're just going to run your track, put that foot in the ground, and get north because you know something is going to be there because you trust everyone and you trust the scheme. Normally when you have guys that are dancing a, a lot, when they don't normally do that, and because I've seen him hit the hole and yes. just be just fine. But when you start to look at him dance, that tells me, or the first thing I would ask is, you know, how confident is he in what's going on up front? And that's going to be part of the issue of what's going on and what's causing him to dance and starting to see 
see ghosts and trying to figure out, you know, okay, where am I going to have to go? Where's my second read going to be? And that can be frustrating because sometimes when you get into that mode, you start missing holes. You no doubt literally about- start missing them. That's that, no, that's great insight because you know maybe that is the situation. Maybe the the line's getting blown up early in the game, and all of a sudden David Montgomery is you know questioning whether or not the hole is going to be there when you know there are some moments when they are. That's a great insight by a man who's uh, won two Super Bowls himself. And maybe you know maybe when you see Montgomery a little unsure early in the game, maybe that's what leads to Matt Nagy calling Cordell Patterson's number in a critical third down situation. Now, like, I, you know, just trying to think through the process of where right. they get to that point. It, and it's maddening, too, because the one thing I've always observed about Cordell Patterson, when he gets had his steam going, look, he's a, he's a hard man to bring down. But the truth is that sometimes, like, he, he needs to get, you know, the acceleration. He needs to, you know, get – that's why he's such a good kick returner because when he gets the hole, he hits the daylight, he's hard yeah. to catch. He's, you know, right. you can't get the angle on him. But sometimes it does take him a little bit to get going, and that's not always the best recipe as a runner when you just need, you know, a yard. You just need to get to the line of scrimmage and, you know, hit it hard. So aggravating yeah. to say the least. It uh, is. And this, this new age of guys being really, um, you know, offense coordinators being the smartest guys in the room, mm-hmm. they find <laughs> yeah. themselves. I mean, that's the reality, right? You're not getting a job uh, or a head coaching job or an offensive coordinator job if you're running the football consistently because that's not sexy. Unfortunately, that's where we are right now in the National Football League. No doubt about it. He's Howard Griffith. I'm Jeff Meller. Taking more of your phone calls, we will hear from Matt Nagy and Nick Foles later in the hour, and also hopefully we'll uh, check in with J.D. as well. This is the postgame show on ESPN 1000. The ESPN 1000 postgame show returns after these. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Welcome to the ESPN 1000 postgame show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. We're back on ESPN 1000 after a, the first loss of the Bears season this year, 19-11 to the Colts at Soldier Field. We will hear from Matt Nagy in about 10 minutes from now. He met with the media on Zoom just a short while ago. We'll let you hear what he had to say. We'll also let you hear from Nick Foles. But first, we hear from you. Let's try Patrick, who's on the south side, who's been hanging in there. What's up, Pat? Hey, you know what? I just thought another observation on this game was um, the fact of the matter is, to me, Foles always been a career backup. He proved it tonight. He's better coming off the bench. Really, he is. Because um, <laughs> you know, think about it. Trubisky, I understand. I understand the guy, but the guy can run. The guy can mm. run. He can take off. Mm. Foles can stand there, and they can. And, and the safety is you can play all the uh, stay in the second level forever because they don't have to worry about him running. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't have to worry mm. about him running. They and they're not going to respect that. So with Trubisky, they got to come up. They have to come up. Come up and then leave an opening there. That's why you didn't get no no running lane. Because they know this guy is never going to run. He's never going <laughs> to run. And uh, I just think that it proves itself today. And one more thing, I think that uh, uh, what's the uh, number seventy two? Oh, he was a turnstile today. He was horrible. Leno, Leno. Leno right? Charles yeah, Leno. Right. Yep. It, yeah. Right. yeah, he was horrible. That's all I had to say. <laughs> yeah. Pat, thanks, man. I appreciate the call. Um. Jeff, I mean, when you talk about having the threat of a quarterback being able to move around and create, 
when nothing else is there. It is something to be said about that right now in, in today's NFL. And oh. maybe that speaks to the point, right, of why Mitch won the job to begin with. You know, no, I, it's, I know. Yeah, so I, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's look, good. You know, no, it, there's, there's something to be said for what uh, – a quarterback who has the ability to pull it down and run. It's the hardest thing to defend in the NFL. And listen, like, okay, let's set Tom Brady aside because he's 43 years old and he has won six Super Bowls. And he's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a leftover dinosaur from a different era, but let's look at, look around the league. The, the best quarterbacks in the league, Russell Wilson, you know, he's possibly the leader in the MVP uh, race right now. He, he clearly is so dynamic when he breaks the pocket. Uh, you, let's go through it. Like, we could continue. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, he's, he's got everything, every tool that you can imagine. And, oh, by the way, when he needs to, he can pull it down and run and make you look silly. Lamar Jackson, obviously the reigning MVP. They've designed an entire offense around his ability to run the ball. Uh, let's continue. Let's look at what Josh Allen's doing in Buffalo. He's got the ability to pull the ball down and run. Yeah. Uh, we know the man from the north, Aaron Rodgers, while he maybe maybe doesn't do it as much as he used to, he still has the capability to do that when 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 defenders, when defensive backs are taking off and running downfield and they've got their backs to the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers will pull it down and run for the first down whenever he needs to. So, yeah, across the NFL, Deshaun Watson, even though things aren't going well for them right now with Bill O'Brien, Ryan, you know, that's a whole, it's a mess still. We know Deshaun Watson has the capability to do that. Yeah, I think when, you, and oh, and Kyler Murray. When you look around the league, all the best young quarterbacks who you're excited about, they have the ability to pull the ball down and run. And yes, I think if Mitch Trubisky could operate this offense and go through his progressions, he was always, that was the ideal. That was exactly what you wanted. But we've gotten to a point where Matt Nagy couldn't trust that he could go through the offense and, and, do what he asked him to do through his simple reads and progressions. And so because of that, we're in a situation where you have to put the statue behind, you know, your offensive line at quarterback and just go through and have him operate the offense. It's not ideal. Right. Which makes it much tougher for the offensive line. Right. Yeah. It makes it much tougher. And, and, and you, if we go a little bit deeper, that's where the NFL game has gone. We, we, we rarely, and this has happened over the last, I would say, last four to five years yep. where we have seen the college game come to the pros. Normally, the colleges stole all the great ideas from the pros. They'd go study with all the genius offensive coordinators, and, and then they'd bring that back to, to the college game. But we have now, over the last five-plus years, have seen that go the other way. And, and what is the college game about? It's about putting people in space, making yep. it very difficult for defenders to be able uh, to defend. They're put in, in what I always call conflict positions where they don't know. They're, they're trusting their eyes and they see it, but there's still so many things that are going on around that it's very tough to, to, to really defend. And, you know, it, it, it's tough. And it's always going to be frustrating for Bears fans where they look around and they see some of the other quarterbacks that they believe they would have had an opportunity to have and be able to run this type of system. But right now, we are where we are, right? So <laughs> yes. the Bears have got to figure out a way to put Nick Foles in the best position he can be in with the weapons that he has around him and try to execute at a higher level. Because at the end of the day, Jeff, 
none of these offensive schemes or defensive schemes or special team schemes were ever developed not to work. When they were put on the board, they were put on the board because they believed they worked. The variable is whether or not you can get the right people to execute what you need to have happen to put you in a great position. No doubt about it. He's Howard Griffith, the two-time Super Bowl champ. I'm Jeff Meller. We're here after every Bears game for two hours, taking your calls, reacting to what happened. And, of course, it was a loss for the Bears today, 19-11 to 11 to the Colts up at Soldier Field. You know, when you break it down, too, Howard, it's, you know, it's, it's simple arithmetic. When you have a quarterback who's got the ability to, to run, all of a sudden it's 11 versus 11. And when I, you know, what I mean is now mm-hmm. you have to account for the quarterback and his ability to run. Now defenders, they don't have that extra you know, uh, defender as an advantage that they normally do when we're, when we're talking about you know, 11 versus 10 and the quarterback's mm-hmm. not going to be, in the, you know, be somebody who you have to worry about running. And that's why it is such a huge advantage when the, when the NFL minds finally said, you know what, we need to, if we're, if we're going to survive with the lack of um, quarterbacks being developed in, in a, you know, uh, in a pro form, uh, a pro yes. form, then we need to adapt and, 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 and start to be open-minded about the idea of having, you know, quarterbacks run the spread. And now that it's gotten to the NFL, as you pointed out, it's here to stay, I think, because when you got guys who can operate it and do it well, there's no reason you want to go back. And I didn't, even though they have their own issues defensively, I didn't mention Dak Prescott as well. So there's another one, just a bunch of young quarterbacks who have the ability to pull it down and run. And it's just so difficult to defend. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time, Jeff, since we've had the quarterback play at the high level that it's been, been being played at for the last couple of years. And, and a lot of that has to do, and you just mentioned it, uh, general managers, owners, uh, teams deciding we need to put the best players we can put on the field. And instead of trying to figure out how we can put this guy and have him do the five or the seven step drop, which he hasn't done. He didn't do it for four years in high school. He didn't do it for the three or four years in college. So eight years he has experience running the spread offense, right? And and being Mm -hmm. able to still adapt to the passing game. And and let me be clear. I'm not saying that they're running these, they're running these schemes because they can't do something else. They're running these schemes. I'm talking about the players because they're so efficient at it, because they've been doing it so long, so you're better off as an offensive coordinator, and that's why those guys that are spreading the ball out, putting, being able to put defenders in conflict, that's why those are all the hot candidates when you talk about uh, these college guys that are out there that all of a sudden people believe can come in and save an uh, NFL franchise. So they're going to throw big money at these guys that understand what the – what the, the run pass options are and, and being able to, like I said, put people in conflict. Those are why those are all the hot names that are out there and that are going to continue to be out there for the uh, foreseeable future. We are the He's Howard Griffith. I'm Jeff Meller. We've got another hour for your phone calls coming up next. What did Matt Nagy think of that loss? Oh boy. You'll hear, you'll hear from him <laughs> as will we next. The dissection of the Bears game continues right after this. This is the ESPN 1000 postgame show on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.